right. Good afternoon, Hope Church. Thanks, uh, Pastor Drew. What a, what a wonderful um, gift you are to my life. Uh, and Pastor Drew has always just been an encouragement to me. He exudes Jesus uh, and uh, just love this guy. And, uh, uh, and as mentioned in laws at the earlier service, it is wonderful to see what a beautiful family this is. And of course, um, I've heard so much about um, uh, Hope uh, and the network of churches. And you guys are making an impact uh, in this community for Jesus. And uh, uh, when he shared his vision uh, years back, uh, we were praying for it, and just to be here is a real privilege uh, for me to be here. Thank you, my friend. Uh, for those of you, uh, of course, all of you don't know me, but um, I'm ethnically Chinese. Uh, I was born in the Philippines, but I grew up in Texas. So that makes me culturally confused, uh, which makes me perfectly a fit here in New York because of the diversity and uh, this being the melting pot. But it is really wonderful um, to be here. You know, it's interesting how, although uh, living out in Asia for the past uh, almost 20 years, there are some cultural differences. But humanly speaking, there are so many common themes that resonate amongst all people. Uh, and and it, it's interesting, uh, people of all cultures and even ages, um, there's something, I've got three teenage kids, there's something I hear a lot. Maybe you speak it or you don't speak it out, um, but here's the phrase, it's not fair. You guys have all said that, right? It's not fair. It's not fair. You know, I flew in, uh, in Asia, from Asia, uh, 36 hour flight, different connections, um, saving that 200 bucks to get the cheapest uh, ticket, but four different connections. It is not fair to sit 36 hours in the back of the airplane while people sit up in the front in those nice seats. They make you walk, that walk from the front to the back. A guy my size sitting in a chair that small, Versus the people that small sitting in a chair that big, especially kids, if you see them up there, like, that's not fair. That is not fair. Right? This is something we proclaim and exclaim ever since we were little kids. Uh, this is something that my kids tell me all the time. Dad, it's not fair. How do we deal with that? What do we do with that? Here's the problem. If we don't have this idea of fairness or unfairness settled in our lives, what's going to happen is that we will grow very bitter. We'll grow angry, we'll grow disappointed, often directed at God, because we expect God to be fair according to our definition, and what's gonna happen? We expect that he treats us fairly, and therefore if he doesn't, according to our perspective, then we're angry at him. You know, it's in a fascinating article by Dr. Arthur Rubens, he says that there are three types of fairness. We can't even get our definitions about fairness on the same page. He says there is the definition of sameness, this is the fairness where everything is equal. So everyone pays the same price for a theater ticket, whether child, adult, or senior citizen. No one has more than another. Everyone eats or no one does, for example, he writes. Logically, then, an infant or adolescent will receive the same amount of food or else it's not fair. And it doesn't matter that one needs more than the other, but that's how it works. Fairness is finding the average and applying it across the board. This is fairness as a quality of outcome. You and I play this game, especially if you remember when you were kids, especially if you have siblings, uh, you know, when um, there's one slice of cake left uh, and you need to divide that amongst three kids, my siblings, there's a rule in our family. Whoever cuts the last piece to divide it, the other sibling is to pick first, right? You know how it is, right? Imagine trying to cut a blueberry into three and yet that's what we want. So that things are fair. No one would say, well, you take the blueberry this time, I'll take it the next time. That's how it is. 
There's the fairness of deservedness. This is the notion he writes of fairness. You get what you deserve. If you work hard, you succeed and keep all that you earn. Fairness means keeping what you deserve and deserving nothing if it isn't earned. The hardworking, most diligent, smart, and most talented should have more because of their attributes. The lazy, indifferent, stupid, and inept deserve to have less. Fairness is a rational calculation. This is fairness as individual freedom. I worked hard, right? I, I, I've done, I put in the legwork and the amount of time, therefore I owe this. This is only fair, right? There is the fairness of need. The third idea of fairness is that those who have more should give a percentage, a greater percentage of what they have to help others who are unable to contribute much, if anything at all. Fairness here takes into account the fact that humans have an obligation to one another, and the more one has, the more one is demanded to give to uh, help, the common good. Fairness and responsibly are linked. Compassion plays a role in this calculation of fairness. This is a fairness as social justice, right? And a lot of us will subscribe to this type of fairness. The reality is we subscribe to the definition that we get the most benefit out of. Isn't that true? This is fair to me. I don't care about you guys. As long as it's fair to me. Well, if we can't get a common definition worked out for what is fairness, how do we keep claiming that life is unfair? You know, this is such an important topic that Jesus speaks a parable, which is a story with a moral lesson uh, out of this, on this very issue. Maybe you have your Bibles. I want to point you back to Matthew chapter 20. Um, I know it was just read, but um, I just want to kind of break it down. Um, and it, 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 it's, uh, it's a touching story even for me because it, I resonate. Verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyards. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So he went out. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. So here we have a landowner who needs workers for his field. So he goes to hire some workers. He finds a few day uh, wage workers, day laborers, perhaps at sunrise, the first one at 6 a.m. And he says, I'll pay you a denarius. Now, I don't know, you probably don't know what a denarius is, but uh, in the time of Jesus, this was a, a fair day's wage, right? And so uh, for, the, for ease of remembering and contextualization, let's say that they agree to $200. I think the minimum wage is $15 an hour here in New York City. So, you know, over eight hours, that's more than the minimum wage. So for day labor, $200 is a fair, more than a fair day's wage. That's the agreement. $200, that's what you get for working starting at 6 a.m. Well, while he's in the marketplace, uh, this landowner, around 9 a.m., he sees that there's still some more day laborers doing nothing, and he asks them, would you like a job? Uh, and they agree to work uh, in the vineyard for the same wage, and uh, he does the same thing around 12 or 3 o'clock, and he gets more workers, all right? They're all being paid a denarius. And then something happens, look at verses 6 and 7. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Well, it's about 5 uh, p.m. in the afternoon. Sun's about to set, about hours left of uh, work because they depend on the sunlight out in the fields. Uh, and he finds that there's still some day laborers who are looking for a job. And he says, what are you guys standing around here? He says, well, no one has hired us. He says, well, I'll pay you if you just come and work in my field. And they agree uh, to an amount, verse 8 and 9. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning, notice, with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received the denarius. So it's end of the day. They're going to dole out the, uh, the payment. Uh, the day laborers come in. They start with the last, the group that started at around 5 p.m. Perhaps they only work an hour, and they were given $200. 
for an hour's worth of work. That's pretty good, right? So they're pretty happy. And uh, you know, we don't know why, just the landowner is generous and he wants to give what is his and he wants to give whatever he wants. And so he, they work through the group backwards. The three o'clock group comes in and they get the $200. The 12 o'clock group comes in, they get uh, $200. Nine o'clock group comes in, uh, presumably they all get $200. Now we get to the first group who've been working since 6 a.m., the first group, and, and look what happens, verse 10. So when those came who were hired first, note this, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received the denarius. Don't you notice something? They made an assumption. Call that entitlement. Well, we started the day earlier. The boss seems to be real generous. The guy who only worked for an hour got $200. And we expect more. But when they were only given $200, guess what? Naturally, they complained. Verse 11 and 12. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last work only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. You know, it's funny. That's the work they were hired for, right? And now they're saying, well, this is something extra I did, right? I, I bore the sun. I, I bore the burden of the day. What are they saying? It's not fair. Now, if you didn't know the story and you put yourself in that last, uh, that, 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 this last group that worked at the very beginning, would you have the same sentiments? You know, I read this parable, I'm raising my hands. Yes, it's not fair, right? The guys who worked an hour got 200 bucks and I've worked since 6 a.m. I only got to, only got 200 bucks as well. This is not fair, not, not fair. I'd be joining them protesting. Yeah, you're right. We should have gotten 600 bucks, right? We'd be making demands. It's not fair. Now, we want to focus on the response of the owner, which represents God. This is how God operates and how he responds. Look how he responds to them, verse 13. But he answered one of them, I love his friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? You know, God calls them a friend. God understands that in the human sinful nature that we have in the sinful world, things are unfair, right? He asked the question, did I, did I do anything wrong to you guys? Did I do anything wrong? The answer, of course, is no. We agreed on $200, and that's what you got. So it's fair. What God is trying to say here through this parable is that God deals with each person individually. In our relationship, how I've dealt with you has been fair. Right? We are created uniquely. There's no um, two of us that are the same. Uh, there are no two people with, uh, well, you probably could say with the same fingerprint, but apparently there are, so with the same retinal scan, right? But there's no two similar people. There's no two people whose plans are exactly the same. Uh, and that's how God has made us in his Mago Dei, in his image with uniqueness. So therefore, what in the world are we copying someone else? Why are we comparing with someone else? You know, when you look at your life personally, without comparing yourself with another, you will be content. But the problem is when you start comparing, then you'll be discontent. The problem is we compare, right? So look at me, in Asia, as so I was thinking about this, in Asia, I'm about five foot 10. In Asia, I love it there, my height, because I'm a giant amongst little people, right? 5'10 is, is tall, right? I get to literally look down on everyone, but I love it. I land here at JFK, I'm like, I have insecurity issues now. I'm tiny, where do these people come from? They're giants in this land, right? I've grown up here, it's, it's unfair, 
right? It's unfair, I wish I could be taller. Although for the sake of airplane rides and economy, okay, 5'10 is good, all right? When you, not when you're 7'1, all right? But then, for example, look at my size. When, I know we're not supposed to talk about, talk about the way of America, but it is so unfair, right? God has put me there amongst people that are real thin, right? Genetically, they're tiny. They're tiny, they eat mounds of rice and nothing. Nothing. They look at me and they're like, oh, this guy's gonna bust the buffet, right? I come to Texas, right, where I grew up. I love it in Texas. I am tiny. You know, I don't buy clothes in Asia. I really don't buy clothes in Asia. Nothing fits. Nothing fits. There's some, that's why it's called Asian size and American size. I'm literally a 5XL out there. It is not good for your insecurities, right? I come here, I love it. I go to, you know, whatever, Walmart or Target, I'm XL, I feel good. I go out there, it's fine. It's not, so height-wise, I'm very content there. Size-wise, not so much I'm content here. So that's the thing, right? When we begin to start comparing, what happens? The problem is we forget that God deals with that individually, and that's our first principle. God deals fairly. When you look at it just ourselves, God deals fairly with each person individually. Learn to be content. That's what God is telling these people. Guys, I've dealt with you personally fairly. You should be content. You should be content. And so when we look at our lives, we realize that, honestly, if you're being honest with yourself, you realize, God, you have been pretty good to me. Are you pretty, I've got a house, I've got, I, I, I can live, I, you know, I can walk, things like that. You know, it's interesting, in Asia, uh, one of the cultural shocks going out there is that there are no filters, right? The rules here are not the rules over there. So they'll ask you about your salary. They'll ask you about your weight. I remember the first time, the first week I came uh, to our church there, and I was standing outside shaking hands at the service. Some guy literally came up to me and rubbed my stomach. I'm like, dude, personal space, right? Personal space. When we don't know each other yet. Right? But that was a term of, it was kind of an act of endearment. It wasn't anything as I found out later. But, you know, they, they don't. And, and, but here, you know, why are salaries kept, you know, like top secret, confidential? Why? Because you and I know human nature. In the same department, right? We, in the same start class, we come in together. If we find out that the same guy on our floor makes more than us, how do we feel? Hmm, so unfair. I do more. That guy goes to the coffee. Uh, the water uh, cooler a lot, right? I mean, I know that guy, he comes in or that gal. That's how we are, that's how we are. Even if they make a buck more, because it's gotta be the same. Right? It's got, we were kind of trained like this as we were kids. Remember when you were kids? And, well, you, you can still remember when you were kids. And, and what's that first question after you get back to your test? You ask each other, what'd you get? What'd you get, right? And then those people who won't tell you, I'm not gonna tell you, you just, you know, whatever, we say a lot of stuff. Why do we do that? Why do we do that, right? We wanna know if we did better than you. It's not care and concern like, oh, you failed, let me tutor you, right? Let me help you some more. No, we wanna know that if we got a grade better than you, we are better than you. And even if you got one point higher than the next, your, your friend, you feel great all day, why? Because I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. But what happens when they get a higher grade than you? Well, they cheated, that's just how it is, right? That's human nature. It's not fair when we compare ourselves with others. That's why we have to learn to be content. We're content with our iPhones 14 until the iPhone 15 comes out, isn't that true? We're content with the Samsung S23 until the 24 comes out next year. That's how it is. Perhaps we need to get off social media, even for a little bit, even on Sundays. 
right? You know how it is. You're content. Uh, maybe we're well, glad you're here this weekend, but maybe one weekend you're in Long Island, you're having a great time until you see the guy post or your friend post that they're in Paris this weekend and suddenly your Long Island vacation isn't so great anymore, right? Or you're happy with, you know, um, uh, your, your yummy hot dog. I had one last night. It was amazing. Your hot dog is the best. Um, you're content with it. You post about it until you see the guy or your friend having a, a five-graded Wagyu steak. Then it doesn't look so good anymore. Isn't that true? That's how we are. But God deals with us individually. Learn to be content. Look at verse 14 with me. Take your pay and go, the landowner says. I want to give the, if I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you, the implication is, it's my right. God says here, take your 200 bucks. We've agreed on this, all right? The guys I give uh, who worked at 9, 12, 3, 5, only one hour, they got 200 bucks. That's my prerogative. I, I can give it to them out of my gracious heart. And that's our kind of second principle, how God deals with us. God deals with each person, number two, graciously, learn not to compare. God is saying, it's up to me, it's my prerogative, and mostly I always give more. That's how God operates. This is a picture of how God lovingly, graciously gives us all things out of his good heart. You and I are recipients of God's grace, my friends, really. I love those songs in the song set, talking about God's grace. Because when you and I look at our lives, let me tell you what, did we really deserve what we have? Now, some of us may say, well, I did it with my own two hands. But I bet for most of us, we hear your stories. You got an encouragement. You got a leg up. We call it, you know, you got lucky, you would say, right? And we compare ourselves, especially like to immigrant families, your, your parents, your grandparents. It was tough for them. But we have it pretty good, I think, generally, if you look at our lives. That's grace. Well, translates uh, also into salvation. You know, here we are um, saying that salvation is an act of God's grace. And yet, we continue to compare you know, my friends, if you want life to be fair, you know what we deserve? We deserve death. That's what the Bible says. For the sins of our lives, uh, Romans tells us, for the wages of sin is death. But, but the gift, the free gift, the gracious gift of God is eternal life. Here we are saying, I want fairness, I want fairness, I want fairness. Well, if you want fairness, you get death. But the Bible tells us, because of the gracious gift, when you, he who knew no sin, for all of our sins on the cross. That is supremely unfair that an innocent, divine God man would take on the sins of the world. And he did it volitionally because of his love. That is grace. You see, my friends, when we accept God's grace, it's hard to compare. It's hard to ask God for more because what? Grace cannot be compared. Grace cannot be compared. If you and I remember that we're the recipients of God's gracious, loving acts, then we will stop comparing. You know, in the Philippines, um, uh, I love fried chicken. Shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, but when going out there, I love Jollibee. I've gotten, a, you guys, I found you have a Jollibee here. That's pretty cool. So, um, you know, I grew up on KFC churches, and uh, but, you know, southern fried chicken's good, but Filipino fried chicken's pretty good, too. Uh, and so I got a Jollibee, and sometimes I'm a stress eater. I had a long day, so I'm going to drive through. Well, didn't ask my wife. Don't need her permission, I think. Um, and I'll go, and I'll swing through the drive through and I'll grab me a bucket of chicken, all right? Sometimes I just eat in the car. Uh, she won't know, but it's, it's you know, and, and then you get that chicken, sometimes six, eight, ten, twelve pieces. You get the ten or eight. You get the ten or eight, thinking you'll share with your kids, but, yeah, there's nothing to be shared. So anyway, I'll get it. And because of the pollution in Manila, all the windows are up, and boy, 
the wafting of that smell divine. And you've never driven so fast home, right? Because you just, you just want to tear into it, no fork and uh, a knife and spoon, just with your hands. That's how fried chicken should be eaten. But then if you ever come to the Philippines, you'll see that it's abject poverty. There's just people just around the streets that are uh, looking um, for help. And let's say, what if you've got that bucket of chicken, you just smell the aroma, and it's all yours. You've worked hard, you've earned this. And they knock on your window, and you've got a sign that says, I'm hungry, right? You know, anything. I'm, my stomach is hungry. Any food you can spare. And so you feel compassionate. You know, you feel guilty that you get that bucket of chicken without sharing. And so you roll in the window, and you, you don't look as you're waiting for the green light to go. And so you just grab, um, and you maybe take out a breast piece, and you give it to one of the guys, and you take uh, your hand, and you give it to the two guys there. You grab a you know, leg piece, and you give it to the guys. And they say thank you. What would be your reaction if, as you've just done that, they look at their chicken pieces and they say, hey, this piece is bigger than mine. You'd say, well, that's ridiculous. Excuse me. You asked for a handout and I gave you a chicken. You should be happy with what uh, you have. Or what can you imagine if the guy says, I like dark meat, right? But I got a press piece. I got a white. You'd say, this is crazy. This is crazy. Who does this stuff? They should be appreciative. Guess what? That's what we do with God every day. Isn't that true? We who have been graciously given all things still tell God, it's not fair that you've given me these things. I wanted the dark meat. I wanted the bigger piece. Get my point? I want the bigger, you can get it. I want the bigger apartment. I want the bigger car. That's how we are. You want to compare, compare down instead of comparing up. You can't compare grace. And if you haven't come to the understanding that we are children of God's grace, receiving it abundantly, boy, that would take the edge off our desire to compare. I'm saying it, it's a process, but it will help. Look at verse 15. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because... I am generous. Here's another truth about God. God is very specific. He says, I own everything. Just, just, just in case you guys have forgotten, I own everything. Therefore, if I own everything, I get to give out what I want and sovereignly decide to give how much to each of you. I'll give you. I'll take care of your needs. The Bible tells us, don't worry like the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. I'll provide for you. But who are we to demand? And yet we argue all the time. Lord, you should have given me this and that. Right? I don't know if you know Ted Lerner. Ted Lerner is a billionaire. He owns the Washington uh, national baseball team. He died this year. Did any of you, when you saw his uh, uh, obituary, you found out he died, said uh, to his estate, oh, wh where's my share of the estate? Right? Uh, or you say hypothetically to his son, Mark, who now uh, runs the baseball team, hey, you know what? I rented from your dad's buildings. I get a share. We say, well, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. But you know, that's exactly what we do with God when we tell him what we want. The one who owns everything, we have no right to what he has. Here we are demanding that he gives us what it is because look at me, I deserve it. Look at that phrase. Don't I have the right, you should underline it, sort of highlight or whatever you want to do, to do what I want with my own money. Forget that sometimes. Don't you hate it when the Bible is so convicting? It's tough. And yet, do we really believe that God owns everything? And there it is. What right do we have? 
But we also need to remember the heart of God. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So we put it all together, right? We put it all together. God is the right to give. But he desires, and it comes from his good heart for our best. So we learn what? We learn to trust. That's a tough one. It's tough for me. To know that even though I pray so much for something and he still doesn't give it to me, that that's God's best for me. Because if you were to record what you pray, what do we usually pray? What I need, what I need, what I want, all physical things about us. That really shows our heart, doesn't it? I'm guilty of it, by the way. I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's easy. It's hard for me as well. I struggle with this. Well, part of the trusting part is because we compare all the time. Right? We compare. You know, um, you may not know this about me, but I struggle with this. This is a good lesson for me also. Um, I grew up uh, with three no's in my life. I never want to be a pastor. I never want to be someone, I never, I never want to marry someone Asian. And I never want to return back to the Philippines, right? Don't want to be a pastor because I don't want to be poor, right? Uh, just, my dad was a pastor. I just know how hard it was. I, I don't want to, be, I want to be successful in life. I want the good things in life. I never wanted to marry someone Asian. Why? Because I had a chip on my shoulder, my own internal biases. Uh, I'm, Amer I'm an American. I want to be an American, right? Although this belies the, the, the face. But I, you know, I play football, baseball in Texas because I'm an American. Now I told my mom and declared one day I don't want to eat rice anymore or eating potatoes. She just laughed at me. <laughs> laughed at me. Because, you know, that, 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 uh, we grew up in North Texas in the 80s. There were no Asians there. Should have moved. I told my dad, why don't you guys move to East or West Coast? Why don't we get stuck in Texas, of all places? But anyway, um, I was telling someone earlier, we were the only tans in the phone book. It was Tan and Tanner, right? So we got a bunch of phone calls about how much is an hour at the tanning salon. So that, that, that's how it was in North Texas in the 80s. One Chinese restaurant, that's it. So that's how it was. And, and so I just wanted to succeed in life, right? So these were the no's. I, and, and so who doesn't want the good things in life? And so, by God's grace, I, I worked as a management consulting uh, a consultant uh, with Deloitte, and I was in New York in a lot of projects and stayed in some of your great hotels like the Waldorf and the Plaza, and life was good. Back in those days, I mean, life was good, a lot of great perks. We'd fly to London just for uh, lunch, so life was good. It's easy. It was, it was, it's good. But now, when you think about it, it's tough to give up all of that, isn't it? Right? It's a struggle even for me as a pastor because sometimes when I come back to America, usually once or twice a year, to speak and other stuff, I go back and hook up with these former colleagues. And by now, you know, they're, they're CEOs, CIOs, uh, and CTOs of these four to 500 uh, companies, and they've got sweet boxes. And I remember being invited to uh, the Cowboy Stadium and being able to go to the sweet box. It's beautiful. It, it's, it's, it, that's the good life. And I remember going there, and I was like, there's a buffet spread out there. You're watching the Cowboys. And... Um, and and I see there, it's $36 for hot dogs per piece. I'm like, man, this is expensive. 36 bucks? I could feed a Filipino family in the Philippines for a month. Um, so I remember asking the wait staff, sir, this is really expensive hot dog. And he whispered to me, don't worry about it. Get as much as you want. If they can afford this luxury box, they can afford $36 hot dogs. So I loaded up. So, <laughs> But you know, sometimes in my mind, sometimes in my mind, I think... Lord, you know, if I never became a pastor, never became a pastor, this would be my life. I could bring missionaries to my sweet box. Wouldn't that be great? And we can compare. You begin to compare. But then, going back, but God is so gracious. God is gracious. Why? Well, became a pastor. 
We had a beautiful uh, young woman from the Philippines from an island called Cebu, uh, and life was good. So, Lord, two out of three, two out of three. Don't ask for the last one. And God has a sense of humor. You tell him your plans, he just starts laughing, right? So, sense this calling to go back to Asia, to this third world country we just left, right? People come to America, they don't go back. Um, and so, uh, the reality is why we didn't want to go back, uh, as I shared in the first service, was because um, after uh, trying to have children, uh, it was very difficult. Uh, we looked for some of the best specialists in Texas. I remember her name, Dr. Annie Bass, sat us down and, and told my wife and I, well, uh, we'll try our best, but it's going to be difficult, and we want to consider adoption. She's trying to smooth out the words uh, as well, and so it was, it was, it was devastating. Uh, it was a tough news to hear. I always wanted to have more biological children, um, just love kids, and uh, part of the reason we wanted to go to the Philippines was because people come from the Philippines to America to have children because of the medical advance, uh, technological advances. Right, going there meant giving up our dreams of having biological children. And we, we knew that adoption is great and, and there's opportunities to adopt in China, Korea, elsewhere, Taiwan, and other, Thailand, and others. But it was tough. And so, well, we gave it to the Lord. And uh, we flew back uh, uh, 2005. And I remember about three weeks in, Cindy starts to get sick and throw up and is nauseated. And um, I get mad at the Lord. I said, Lord, here we give up everything for you. We come back to the Philippines, and you've given my wife a tropical disease. Right? With tropical <laughs> disease. <sighs> Lord, we don't even have a doctor. We don't know anyone here. Uh, and so we go find a doctor. She ran her, they ran the checks about three weeks later, brought us in, and I said, um, Doc, what's wrong with my wife? Uh, one of the medicines, it's like, there's nothing wrong with your wife. She's four weeks pregnant. Blew our minds. So Andrew was born in 2005. Nathan was born in 2006. And Janelle was born in 2007. And we said, okay, Lord, we get it. Thank you. You made your point. You made your point. We get it. Kids are expensive. Oh, we get it now. Lord, open her room. And here's the thing. When I go to the sweet boxes, when I look at the things that I wish I had, and look at the people sitting in the front of the airplane. As much as I can, I think, Lord. And look at my kids. Thank you. I have no, I have no position to be demanding of you when you graciously give us. So I need to trust you. I need to trust what you're going to give me. Because it comes from your good heart. Who am I? What position do I have to claim that life is unfair? When you've given me so much, every good and perfect gift comes from above with this last story and uh, uh, this is a lesson that we will have to learn every day it's hard I know it's really really tough um, but he teaches it in ways that are sometimes uh, subtle but sometimes in ways that are that blows your mind that he can give if he wants just trust him on that he owns everything that's what he says don't I have a right to give what I have with my own money not always in the negative but in the positive in July, I was here and hadn't been on state, in the States for more than three and a half years because of the pandemic. And so uh, I come here, I, I buy coats here, as I mentioned, and one of the things I needed to buy was a, a suit jacket, uh, a, a blazer, and mine was pretty tattered, and so uh, flew here, just, they just fit better here. Uh, and um, was in Houston preaching and um, went to, uh, to one of the local Macy's uh, and found a jacket that was perfect, perfect, uh, you know, perfect style, fit me, and um, tried it on. Um, but it was a Ralph, Roll, a Ralph Lauren polo, 450 bucks, way over my budget. But it was 75% off, about 130. Great deal, all right, good deal, it's in my budget. But you know, it wasn't the perfect fit, 
you, when you buy something, you want it perfect. So I figured, well, I'm gonna be in Dallas for a few, in, in a few days um, uh, for some ministry, so I'll go check out Macy's over there. A few days later, um, uh, I, I went over to the local Macy's, found the same style, perfect fit, 46 regular, uh, and it was great. Bring it out to the uh, um, checkout counter, lady says $500 with taxes. I'm like, whoa, no, no, it's about 130. Sorry, sir, um, this isn't on sale. I said it was on sale last week. And she's like, yeah, that was last week. You see, I forgot, I had forgotten how Asians, I had forgotten how American sales works, right? With the weekend, it's a new, new sales. So I'm, you know, putting my Asian, I've been there way too long, bartering skills. Can you just give it to me? Just, just me? Like, Dude, the computer isn't gonna fix it, right? I can't give it to you. Come on, just, just for me, right? No one's gonna buy it anyway. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk away. You know, Asian style of bar. I'm gonna walk away. You're not gonna get the sales. I'm like, I don't care, right? I don't work a commission. So I was really disappointed because, you know, when you want something, you get it, and then you, you're thinking to get it, and you can't get it. Oh, man, what a bummer. I was quite disappointed. I was like, Lord, come on. I need the suit for ministry in Asia, right, because they dress up there, uh, and I need this. Uh, and yeah, I think she was just trying to be nice to me. She saw I was pretty upset. She said, uh, sir, um, you know, tomorrow, um, uh, we were just informed my management this morning that uh, Macy's will have a nationwide flash sale. Uh, maybe you can just check next time. Maybe they'll put men's suit on sale again. I'm thinking this is back to school season, right? It's in July, but no, one's, no one needs men's suit. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you're just trying to be, be nice to me. So dejected, I went back to my car. And you know, I, I preach this stuff, right? Trust God, trust God, you can do anything. Uh, I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna give you this petty prayer. You know, here's, here's a pastor, right? Here's a pastor, a prominent church, vibrant church. We, I should be praying for the souls of lost people. <laughs> praying for petty things like, dude, Lord, I need this to be on sale tomorrow. <laughs> that's literally my idea. I said, Lord, I, uh, that's a really silly request, but you're, you're, you're governing the universe, uh, but I, I need your help. Tomorrow, there's going to be a, a nationwide Macy's sale. I need you to, I'm in Texas, I need you to convince Macy's management in New York to put on sale men's suit uh, tomorrow because I'm flying out on Friday. Uh, that's that's kind of how the prayer went. I trust you. He said, we can trust you. Um, and if it's your will, you can, uh, you can do this. Kind of left it at that, kind of giggled, and just, you know, whatever. Just resigning the fact that I didn't know I was going to come on this trip, so that's, that's how it was. Next morning, I woke up. I kid you not. July, July 19th, I believe, is the date. Got on the Macy's website. Front on the website. Fly, nationwide flash sale. Men's suit. Men's suit. I'm like... Lord, thank you. I feel so sorry for the parents who are waiting for things to be on sale for their kids for back-to-school sale. Because if you think about it, why in the world? If you, right, if you're in marketing or, or, or direct sales, you know you don't put on sale the next week what you already put on sale last week. I would hate to think that God inconvenienced all of America <laughs> to give me the suit that I needed at the price that I wanted. But that's exactly what he did. I went to Macy's. I beelined it, got that suit for less than 130 bucks. And I wear it in Asia today. <laughs> That's how God works. I'm like, oh my goodness. People sometimes don't, but you know, sometimes you hear these stories like, really? Yes, it happens. I have the suit to prove it with the receipt. That's what happened. And if we can't trust God in something like this, it comes from a good heart. Wow. It's all mine. I can give it to you as I see fit. Learn to trust. Learn to trust. Final verse, verse 16, last one. So the last will be first, and the first will be last.
God's basically saying, I'm the one, I get to settle all the accounts. Don't you worry. You're poor. If you're not so successful, according to the world standard, I'm going to make it all right. If you're rich, prominent, don't worry. Keep humble because I can take you down. That's the reality. Because fairness, listen, is not in a result. Fairness is found in a person. Fairness is found in a person. When we proclaim that we want fairness, just look to Jesus. Look what he did for us in our lives. You want fairness? You get that. You want unfairness? And that's what is transformative. When we understand what Jesus did in our lives, his grace, how he deals with us individually, from his good heart, boy, that changes our perspective and our vision. So as we invite our music team to come, I'm going to close us in a, just a word of prayer, but just learn to be content. I struggle with this. Every one of us struggles with this. But remember, there's no need to compare because grace cannot be compared. He who sent his son, Jesus Christ, why would he not give the very best, perfect for us, but more could be done?